Welcome to Describing a Rock. I'm Milo, and today I'm going to describe for you a rock. I'm sitting on the side of a mountain. Beneath me are dry yellow grasses. The ends of them have gone to seed. I'm in the shadow of a small mountain bush. It's got little oval leaves with jagged edges. Mixed into the dry yellow grasses are other small plants with cute little circular seed pods branching off the main stalk in sharp geometric patterns. On the pods on which the seeds have fallen off, all that's left is a translucent film. Reminds me of eyeglasses. Out in front of me, the slope I'm sitting on drops off. Down the side of the mountain are more of these small mountain shrubs. Farther ahead, the gray-blue of mountain sage. The wind blows up from below. A chilly breeze, but I'm dressed for the weather. Immediately to my left is a flat stone face, larger than I can describe to you in words. Towering red sandstone. Its edges softened with the weather and time and the visible layers from its formation streak down its sides. The weather-rounded edges make it look almost liquid, like it's very slowly flowing down the side of this mountain. There's divots and holes in its sides that look like bubbles in a viscous liquid. If I look straight up, I still see it. Ahead of me, down the slope of the mountain, the hills are dotted with these massive formations, and from a distance, the shapes make more sense, less unfathomably enormous, each reaching out in the same direction, thrust out of the ground towards me at 45 degrees. This place marks the boundary between the Great Plains and the Rocky Mountains. Through the upheaval of the Rockies, this ancient sandstone was driven out of its deeply buried rest. The winds eroded layer after layer of the rock above them until these red slabs breathed air. The layers in the sandstone range from a pale gray-brown to a rich rusty red to a dark, dark brown. Pieces of the stone are littered across the ground, small chunks mostly with harsh, uneroded edges, and in all different colors. Every color that I see in these towering slabs, every color is found in small rocks all over the place. I've got three here. One of them is that beautiful red. The other is in that lighter gray. The third comes from layers of that deep brown. The red is coarse-grained sandstone. On the red stone, the outer side of it is smoothed and weathered so that running my thumb across it feels like a lovely texture that doesn't pull at my skin. On the other side, though, it's unweathered, harsh, granular, so fresh, even, that the bits of sand that make it up crumble off of it. They're bound so loosely that I can roll the pieces between my fingers and they dissolve into sand. It glitters with flecks of mica, red sand rich in iron, and tiny pieces of pale quartz. I tasted some. It tastes like nothing at all. Clean stone. 
Each bit of sand that comes out of this unweathered, sharp side has perhaps never felt air or touch or anything besides its tightly compacted neighbors in maybe millions of years. It's seeing the sun for the first time in that long. It crunches beneath my teeth, aggressive, harsh. I probably shouldn't be eating this. I blow the loose pieces of sand away, and they join the red soil and the ground beneath me. The whole trail is carpeted with this beautiful red sandy soil. The very sand that comes out of these stones as they erode. The wind, the ice, the rain beats against them, knocking loose tiny pieces, revealing new tiny pieces that haven't seen the sun in millions of years. The light gray stone that I've got has visible layers in it. Layers of a cold gunmetal gray, thin warm brown lines, lighter gray streaks. It's more worn than the first. Sparkles of mica are visible on every surface. The edges are wind-worn, not water-worn, like stones found in a stream. It's not as smooth as that. Even this slightly more fine-grained stone, if I rub it in one spot, tiny pieces of sand will come loose. Along the face of the rock beside me is a patchwork of lichen. Dark brown patches of lichen that have died. Light gray patches. Bright orange, a color of lichen that I don't see back home. And a bright, vivid lime green that ranges into a mustard yellow. A rainbow against the red stone. The third small rock I picked up is that dark, dark rust brown. This stone is even finer grained than the first two. The specks of mica glitter more noticeably because of the darker colors of the stone that surrounds it. In the finer grain, the layers are more apparent. The color is more uniform than the gray rock, but the finer grain makes the layers on the broken side more tangible. I can feel them rather than see them. Yet still, when I push at it in just the right way, pieces will snap off, revealing fine dark red sand. Mixed into the very fine red grains and the slivers of mica are slightly bigger pieces of quartz. These bigger pieces can be found in all of the layers, in fact. And in some places, on the face of these huge rocks themselves, bigger pieces of quartz, sometimes a centimeter across, sometimes two centimeters across. They're harder than the surrounding stone, so they jet out just a little bit. If they jet out too far, the soft sandstone will crumble around them, and they'll fall to the ground. I can imagine sliding down the slope in front of me. It's steep and covered in yellowed grasses that bend down it, as if they're used to being pressed down by the wind that blows from behind me. I can imagine sliding down in a controlled scramble into the low brush that covers the mountainside and disappearing between those enormous rocks. Time loses meaning in the wild spaces between those towering rocks. The sun doesn't move across the sky. I don't grow hungry or thirsty. I just walk and move and exist in the quiet. Quiet except for the songs of the birds and the cicadas and the crickets. 
and the hushing of the wind through the leaves and between the tall stones. I'd explore, open mind, open heart, and just be. I could nourish myself just by tasting the pale, pale blue-gray of the sage leaves, and I wouldn't need anything else. But the sun does move, and the wilderness is not kind, and I will become thirsty. So I don't slip down the mountainside in a controlled scramble into the brush. I just think about it. But I do taste that pale gray mountain sage. It's sweet, almost lemony. The texture of the leaves are soft on my tongue. It's refreshing. As I keep chewing, it becomes pleasantly bitter. And all the while, that minty, spicy astringency soaks my tongue. I stand. I stretch. I dust myself off, return to the trail, and continue up the mountain. Thanks for listening. This has been Describing a Rock. See you next time. <laughs>